Let's pray together. Lord, we ask at this time that you would speak in ways that we can hear you and receive all that you have for us this morning. And Lord, we pray that if there's anything weighing on us or distracting us, that you would give us grace to lay them aside so that we can be attentive to what it is you want to do today. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I was uh, absolutely shocked a few years ago when I heard on the news that sitting was one of the things causing a lot of death in people. Sitting down. Did you know that? Yeah, they're smoking and then they're sitting. It's, it's as bad as smoking, right? That's what smokers say. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, so what's, what's the problem is that because people a lot of times for work now, they actually sit for most of the day, they go home, they make supper, and then they sit in front of the TV or with a book, and then they go to bed, and they're just not getting enough exercise. Even, you know, a decade ago, you had to stand up to vacuum the house. Now we have robots that vacuum the house, which is something I never thought I would say, but there you have it. And now you don't even need to mow the lawn. Because you've got robots to mow the lawn. By the way, for Christmas? Yeah, so, <laughs> but just a few decades ago, people stood most of the time. They worked, right? They, they, they had to be moving in order to get things done. But more and more, we are becoming a society of stationary people. And it's really bad for our heart. Now, if you go back in time to what church used to be like or what worship in the temple used to be like, there was no sitting, right? You'd be all standing right now. And I would be entertaining you with more visual displays. Slaughtering animals, dismembering animals, barbecuing animals. You know, it was, it was the full meal deal. It was, you know, you look at the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and and, you know, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies for the first time, the only time the whole year, he'd go beyond the curtain to sanctify things in there, the Ark of the Covenant. And he would wear bells. And everyone would be waiting outside the curtain. Waiting. Bells, good. If the bells stopped ringing, that was bad news. Right? They also had a rope tied to the ankle of that priest so that if the bells stopped ringing, they would pull out the body. Right? We don't have that kind of suspense now in worship. I think it's something we should bring back when I retire. <laughs> but these priests, all the time, they were offering these animal sacrifices because that was what Moses commanded in the Old Testament so that we could have continued relationship with God. They never got to sit down. They were working because those sacrifices, they couldn't take away sin. Now, the book of Hebrews, the whole book, is about saying why Jesus is so superior to any other religion or ritual practice. Jesus is the one we need. And if you don't take anything else from today's message, take this. Jesus is sufficient, more than sufficient. And he is the one on, we, on which we rely, not on going to church on Sundays, not on how good you are or faithful you are at reading your Bibles or praying. He is the one on which we rely 
to have this living relationship with God. So let's take a, a closer look here at what the author is saying in Hebrews. He said, so the priest stands up day after day and slaughtering all these animals for the sacrifice, but it was ineffective. So what's the point? Why would the Bible tell people to do this if it didn't have any real effect? Well, I think the sacrificial system actually was really good at two things. One, it pointed that there is a problem. There is a big problem when we turned away from God and introduced sin and death into this world. We had a problem. And if you want to go, why would, why would they use animals for this in the first place? You've got to go all the way back to Genesis 3 where that sneaky snake duped Eve and she duped Adam and, and it was just such a mess. And then God said, you can't be in paradise anymore. You can't live forever in this broken state. And so he kicked them out of the garden. And what did he put on them? Do you remember? Animal skins. Right. That's right. To make sure they didn't come back, he put an angel with a flaming sword. But he put animal skins on them. Now, when God said, don't eat of this tree, he said, if you do, you will die. And they did eventually die. But there was sort of a substitutionary step so that they could continue on living in the harsh elements. Animals died. The skins were given to Adam and Eve and covered them up so that they could survive. There was grace there. There was mercy there. And this was developed more fully with the sacrificial system. And look at Leviticus if you want the details. But it's complicated and costly. But as far as dealing with sin, completely ineffective. So it was good at identifying there was a problem, it was costly, and something needed to be done. The second thing it was really good at is at pointing to the solution to the problem, to Jesus. Jesus alone was able to take that our place because he was God himself. And he's able to lay himself down to pay the penalty so that we could live the life with him. When this priest, it says in verse 12, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool under his feet. One of the things that keeps Christians down more than anything else is the struggle with guilt. Can anyone relate with that? I know I do. Guilt is straight from hell. It is a lie from the enemy. It is a serious thing. Guilt says you are worthless. Guilt says you can't do this. You can't honor God. It is a lie. And I've got some really bad news for you. Are you ready? You can't hide from God, right? When, when you missed the light last week and the thing you said in your head, God knew that, right? When, when the lineup in the grocery store was too long, he heard that too. With the movie you were watching that you shouldn't have been watching, yeah, he knows it all. The good news is he loves you. The good news is he knows us warts and all and still 
died for us that we might live with him. Guilt has no place in the Christian life. Conviction does. You were made for more than this. Um, because you are worth it and you were loved by God and Jesus was enough. Um, one of the women in my home church um, when I was growing up, I, <laughs> I was a teenager when I got to hang out with her, her name was Lillian Bussey. And she was a sweetheart, beautiful soul. Um, she, I thought she was older than the hills. She was in her 90s. I was like 18, so, you know. Um, but she teased me, and she was just beautiful. Um, one thing I didn't learn until her funeral was that Lillian struggled with guilt. And she used to meet with her pastor regularly, and every time they met, she'd say, David, am I good enough? Am I good enough to go to heaven when I die? You might know this David. He's our bishop. He said this at her funeral. He responded to her, Lillian, God bless you. No, you're not good enough. You can't do anything to be good enough. And that's not the point. Jesus is good enough. And he is the one on which we are to rely For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect, not he will make perfect, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. When we are walking with Jesus, we are walking in the way of holiness and we're letting that Jesus life transform us and renew us in his image. So are we good enough? Nope. Doesn't matter. Jesus is. And he paid the price so that we could walk in this way. So what do we do when these feelings of guilt arise and say you're no good or whatever? What do we do? We confront those lies with the truth. Yeah, I may not be good enough, but Jesus is good enough, and I cling to that. Um, uh, next, the author references two passages from Jeremiah, and he says, look, the Holy Spirit is a witness to us about this. This isn't about following a list of rules written on a stone tablet. This is about becoming the kind of people God created us to be. One of my favorite preachers, his name is Bruxy Cavey, he, he said, uh, what's heaven going to be like? And he says, well, first of all, heaven is going to have chocolate cake. Because if there were no chocolate cake in heaven, then it wouldn't be heaven. Right? But the difference is, is that in heaven, I will be healed so that I will be fully content with my one slice of chocolate cake. That'll be enough for me. I won't be like now where I want a second and a third and actually just hand me the whole chocolate cake. Right? We'll be healed. And this is what the Holy Spirit is promising. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, after sin has been dealt with. I will put my laws in their hearts. They will be who I created them to be. I will write them on their minds so we will, we will not only know what is right and wrong, we will actually choose the right because we will be made well and whole. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. But what are we going to do if we're not constantly pleading our case with God about all of our sins? 
I had a counselor in Moncton once, and I was just laying out everything that was wrong with me. And the counselor, I wanted to punch him in the face because he said, <laughs> he said, you know, here you are laying out all your sins before God over all the reasons why he shouldn't love you and everything that's getting in the way of you and God. And doesn't it just make you frustrated when he just wants to give you a hug? And I, that's it. We are called to live in this loving relationship with God because our sin has been dealt with. Um, years ago, I, I had to take uh, clinical pastoral education. Eva's taking it right now. And I was 24 at the time. And I was, I was doing this, and, and one of the biggest hurdles for me was I was in the hospital, in like oncology, or in family practice, or palliative care, and I'm like, I have no business being in here. Like, these people are dealing with serious things, and I'm just a kid. And my supervisor uh, came out, and, and he, goes, he goes, I understand you're not really engaging with everybody in your wing, in your wings that you're supposed to be at. And I said, well, I'm there. He goes, yeah, but you're just there. You're not there with everybody. And I, mean, I had tunnel vision. As soon as I went into a unit, I went like this, and I blocked everybody out. And he goes, what's going on? I said, I shouldn't be here. And he goes, oh, I understood you signed up for this course. And I said, well, I did, but we should leave this stuff up to the professionals. He goes, well, guess what? You're it. And those patients need you, the nurses need you, and the doctors need you, so get to work. And I needed to hear that. Sin and guilt for sin has a way of saying, you don't belong here. God can't use you. Well, that's malarkey. In Jesus, we are invited in. In Jesus, we are empowered to be his kingdom citizens. And that's the whole reason. So if you look at verse 19, he said, because of Jesus, because of what he has done, because he has opened up the sanctuary to us, then what? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, not by putting on a show or pretending we're something we're not. When it means put on a sincere heart, say, God, I want you. And I know that I fail every day and I know that I struggle with this or that and I know that I doubt you, but I want you. So help me. That's what a sincere heart is. It's being honest with God with our need and also for our desire to be more in Him. And with the full assurance that faith brings, trusting that Jesus is enough, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. <laughs> uh, on Yom Kippur, you would go, they would, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would take the blood of an animal and he'd sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant and everything in there to make it holy. We are having our hearts sprinkled with the life of Jesus, drawing into that um, so that we are free from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What's the deal with washing our bodies? Well, this is what gives us power to do good in the world, and bad, but we're having them cleansed to do that. A few weeks ago, we looked at what baptism was, 
Do you remember this? We looked at how the tree is Jesus or the vine is Jesus and he's wounded so that he can receive the branch, which is us. The gardener is God, the Father, and then there's a binding of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit-empowered church to hold us into Jesus. We're baptized into that and, and so that we can, we can live this out together. Um, sorry, I'm going on too long. I really got a lot out of this passage this week. Um, <laughs> so let, okay, so we, we are called to live, to love God and to serve God. And the final part of the passage is that we are called to do this together. Back, way back when, Christians still had a hard time meeting together. Why? Because we drive each other nuts, right? We annoy each other. But the church is meant to be the practice where we learn how to show hospitality and agape love, where we lay down our lives for each other. This is where it happens. This is where we practice so we can actually do it out there. Um, so we're called to hold on to our faith. We need each other to encourage us in this, to encourage one another, to spur each other on to do acts of kindness and goodness in the world. And then we practice this long-suffering together. That's why we need to do this. It's really hard to teach on this in a, in a time of COVID. Because what if it's not safe, right? What if I'm afraid? It's not that you're driving me crazy. It's that I'm afraid to get sick or to get my loved ones sick. This is a different thing. So I've got homework for us this week. You ready? Even you, Colin. <laughs> All right, so for people who aren't able to be here for whatever reason, have they been on your minds recently? One person in particular, maybe? Or maybe they are here, but they're just on your mind and, and God keeps laying them on your heart. Would you take your fancy photo directory and call them and just say, why weren't you in church on Sunday? No, say... How are you? I've been praying for you. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Express that love with no other motivation other than God placed you on my mind this week and we, I want to care for you. I do care for you. Can we do that? We serve an awesome God that, that doesn't want to make us feel guilty the fact is that in Jesus, we have been justified, pronounced clean, good, holy, not because of us. That's the grace. It's because Jesus was. And we are invited to reflect that faith and that joy to the world around us. And we do that together. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you that to be complete in you. And we thank you, Jesus, that this was paid for by you. So Lord, make us aware of the times we are, we are giving in to guilt. And help us, Lord, to, to cling to your promises in moments like that. And Lord, also, when it's time for us to be convicted, to be called closer to you, make us receptive to that so that we might reflect your glory more fully to the world around us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.